I wasn't going to do another one of these videos quite so fast, but when I saw the inaccuracies of the article in Cosmopolitan magazine about highly sensitive people, I felt compelled. So here I'm going to read two sections of my memoir, The Damage of Words. One is when from Michelle when I first found out about high sensitivity and, of course, empathy. And then one is from a chapter actually by my name, which is me now and how I live now. So two different sections, but joined together, they'll give you a great overview of what is and is not high sensitivity, um, a little bit about empathy, but a little bit about hypervigilance, um, just give you an insight into all of these. So highly sensitive people and empaths. Everyone can adopt other people's emotions or moods periodically, but if this happens constantly, they are likely highly sensitive. It is a genetic trait and HSPs have sensors that function at a higher level than neurotypical people. A gene that increases the vividness with which we experience emotions. It is also linked to high sensitivity. And I will discuss this shortly. Michelle introduced me to the work of Dr. Elaine Aaron, who has been researching high sensitivity since 1991. The traits of a HSP are found in 15 to 20% of people. It is innate and it is found in over 100 species. It reflects a certain type of survival strategy, being observant before acting. The brains of highly sensitive persons actually work a little differently than others. HSPs notice everything observing and processing subtleties at a deeper level, which means they can be easily overwhelmed. And when things are too intense, complex, chaotic, or novel for a long time, HSPs are usually introverts and need alone time. In my case, I'm sensitive to light, sound, smells, and touch. I love being alone, though many think I'm an extrovert. I'm a social introvert. Since then, I have also discovered that I'm an empath. I can sense subtle energy and absorb it from other people and environments by energetically internalizing the feelings and pains of others, which until I understood it, I found difficult to distinguish from my own. In retrospect, it makes sense that I was jumping around to get the toxic energy I'd absorbed from my mother out of my body. Some empaths have profound spiritual and intuitive experiences, which aren't usually associated with highly sensitive people. And I share more about that my gifts in Monica and Isabel. Of late, I have noticed a lot of chatter around hypervigilance versus empathy. In my lived experience, remembering this is my opinion, I'm not a trained psychologist, therapist, etc. I believe both start from childhood trauma. Hypervigilant people are looking for threats everywhere and expecting the worst. Until I healed my core wound, I was definitely doing that. As an empath, I'm aware of the subtle energy changes and as I can feel and absorb other people's emotions, I can comprehend their feelings and express compassion. This is the polar opposite of a narcissist. The high sensation seeking, highly sensitive person. Of course, if that wasn't enough, according to the test on Dr. Aaron's website, I am also the contradiction of being a high sensation seeking, highly sensitive person. She described it as having one foot on the gas and one on the brake pedal which resonates. I love to travel to new places and experience new sensations. I will do it so that I won't get overwhelmed by, for example, being active in nature, traveling alone or with like-minded groups, or where I know I don't need to worry about the logistics, nor be actively involved in the conversation if I need space. Now I'm switching over to Katrina, which is a chapter towards the end of my memoir. And it's about living as a highly sensitive person. 
Sadly, I often feel defensive when I say I have high sensitivity because I know so often people immediately think I mean super sensitive, which is usually wielded as an insult. As I mentioned, HSP have sensors, sight, smell, sound, touch and taste that function at a higher level than someone deemed neurotypical. I notice everything and because I can absorb subtleties and process information deeply, I'm conscious of the bigger picture. So when the builders next door park their van and I can see that it creates hassle for other people, they get snapped at. Though later I wish I hadn't as I sheepishly park my car. When I walk banjo, I pick up glass bottles before they smash and can cut any pores. And considering others, I will never place his poo bag in a bin at a bus stop and so on. But I also experience life vividly, which can be overwhelming. So I block my nose while I walk through duty-free at the airport because the perfumes give me a headache. I can smell cigarette smoke from people on the footpath up here on the fifth floor. I'll go down the same five flights to pick up an empty can that is rolling in the wind because the sound is bugging me. It is feeling relieved when music is turned down or white noise is turned off because the ceiling seems higher. Sounds like the clicking keyboard on phones makes me want to scream. But my high sensitivity is still a gift and I use it in particular to deliver better work. Sensitivity shaming. Extraordinarily, in my experience of living with high sensitivity, few will accept that my senses are higher than the norm. Sometimes I can demonstrate it, like showing my personal trainer how far across the park I could walk and still hear the music coming out of his little speaker. Even though it is found in between one and five and one and six people, there needs to be more awareness of the differently wired neurological system of people with sensory processing sensitivity. This lack of awareness leads to something I call sensitivity shaming, the gaslighting from people who don't believe me. Though people can agree that not everyone can wiggle their ears or curl or roll their tongue, many are unwilling to believe that I have heightened senses. So some facts. HSPs have a different neurological makeup from birth. It is not a condition, a disorder, or a diagnosis. It is a neural trait that evolved in circa 20% of the human population and 100 other species. As I mentioned in Michelle, not all HSPs are empaths. Though extremely rare, it is possible to be born with high sensitivity and be a narcissist. My mother, for example, has easily overwhelmed senses and NPD. HSPs are often called too sensitive and told to lighten or toughen up. Biologists believe it is an evolutionary advantage and that three separate sets of genes may play a role. The sensitive gene, which is the serotonin transporter, the dopamine genes, and the emotional vividness gene. And different highly sensitive people may have some or all of them. Famous artists with HSP include Nicole Kidman, Jennifer Beals, Frances McDormand, Scarlett Johansson, Jessica Chastain, and many more. If this sounds familiar, take the HSP test on Dr. Elaine Aaron's website to con- or consider reading her book, The Highly Sensitive Person, How to Thrive When the World Overwhelms You. I'm sure that Richard found living with me exhausting. Early on in our marriage, my ex-husband would react in frustration if I asked that he spray his antiperspirant outside. Thankfully, he switched to roll-on. He endured nagging to stop dripping taps or the irritation I would feel when I was affected by too much light. 
There were so many daily niggles that he had to cater for and until the recent work trip I mentioned earlier, I don't think I fully appreciated just how much Richard adopted, adapted so I could quite frankly function. Our work trip took us to India, Poland and the US twice. Thankfully, I am a high sensation seeking, highly sensitive person. So contemplating the travel with its countless flights and transport didn't overwhelm me. But that didn't mean I wasn't impacted. And during a long conversation about living with HSP, I realized how much I have adapted my behavior over the years to avoid feeling overwhelmed. Dulling of senses. Having this chat with Sue in the Texan hotel lobby, I struggled to concentrate and explained that as I tried to hear her, I was being distracted by the volume from two TVs, the reception phone, and the loud hum of the air conditioning. The noise stopped me from feeling peaceful and present. During the trip, Sue saw firsthand how I can react to a strong taste, a loud noise, or a pungent smell, and how this leads to breakdowns in communication and loss of sleep. But the incessant use of screens in lobbies, restaurants, and bars across Texas was a huge source of frustration. As an HSB and an empath, I don't want to feel this constant stream of negativity, especially when I want to enjoy a fabulous meal and conversation. Though I've learned how to protect myself energetically, sometimes I just don't have the energy. Discussing this on my return with Isabel, she queried why it was worse than in India, known for its noise and vibrancy. I could only describe it using the energy or the intent behind the noise. Walking into the hotel lobby in Pune, no TV screens were blaring out the co- a stream of constant negativity. It was only the sound from the water feature and the natural scent of flowers in the displays and the soft background music. It was calming. And even on India's crazy roads, the ceaseless beeping of horns isn't from aggression. They're simply saying, hey, I'm here. Though the specifics of safely driving in India are definitely unknown to me, it is easy to sense that everyone knows the pecking order. Hence, people are kind and tolerant of each other and happy to give way. This behavior and grace sharply contrasts with my experience here on UK roads. As someone who experiences life vividly, I wonder why so many screens and distractions are being installed in lobbies, bars, and restaurants. What is being lost by interrupting people and their conversations? How many ideas are never developed because people cannot sit in relative peace to exchange thoughts, hopes, and dreams? Is there some weird attempt to silence people from their thoughts and daydreams with a barrage of negative news and fear-mongering? What is so uncomfortable about sitting in silence and just pondering? Must we always be entertained? Perhaps I sound like a crazy conspiracy theorist. Still, as someone who wants to hear my inner dialogue with my soul and guides, I don't know how people can listen to them if they're addicted to screens and bombarded with pessimistic sounds. Imagine if Ian had been absorbed in his phone and not daydreaming about helping the people of Africa. I, for one, would have missed great healing and countless others would never have received the emotional and financial support that his one dream has created. And while I'm pondering, I wonder too about the impact of artificial intelligence on our senses. The AI cat is already out of the bag and about to irreversibly impact the livelihood of workers worldwide. It too could take us away from hearing our souls and dull down our senses as people become overly dependent on its capabilities and allow it to produce more sameness. 
It is more important than ever to embrace the human skills that AI cannot replicate and to spend more time in wonder, daydreaming, so we do not lose our creativity, our critical thinking, empathy, emotional intelligence, collaboration skills, adaptability and flexibility, ethical awareness, cultural intelligence and diversity and more. So that's a little insight into the damage of words and what I've written about my life as a highly sensitive person and a little bit about my empathy or living as an empath. Um, I hope that that resonates with those of you who perhaps do have those higher senses, who do have that genetic trait. And for those who don't, I hope it allows you to give some more empathy to those that do. It is a challenge. It can be very overwhelming, but it is also such a wonderful gift.